Good morning, church. Have you ever wondered what the future holds for you? Maybe I can be more specific. Have you ever thought about what happens to us when we leave this world? Well, you know, church, John 14, verses 1 to 6, has a solution for us. But first, would you bow your heads in prayer, please? Our Heavenly Father, I give thanks that <clears throat> you have allowed me to speak this morning, Lord. And I ask that you anoint my lips, that whatever I say may be to your honor and to your glory. And I give thanks in Jesus' name. John 14, verses 1 to 6, are very comforting. And I'm reading from the New King James Bible, and it says, Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And here is the most comforting part of all, church. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. Wow, isn't that wonderful, comforting news? And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to me, no one comes to the Father, except through me. Jesus says he's, that he is going back to heaven to prepare a place for his disciples. Well, we are his disciples, aren't we? And that he will come back and take them and he will come back again and take them there you know church life can be troublesome and if not troublesome it can be tedious sometimes can't it it is normal for us to look for what lends meaning to our lives and gives satisfaction for some for some reason people most people refuse to look to Jesus to give meaning to life and give peace to their hearts. They look elsewhere. When we listen to Jesus, however, we find the answer to our to our quests and our problems. He encourages us to replace the anxieties and confusion in our hearts with a simple but absolute belief in Him. His promises give meaning and purpose to our lives, greater and higher than anyone or anything else can offer. 
His promises are absolutely real and true. We have, we have peace through faith, don't we? Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Here Jesus makes himself equal with God. He's implying that anyone who believes in God must be, to be consistent, believe also in him. Jesus isn't suggesting that we have two faiths, one in God and the other in Jesus. Rather, he is telling us to have a complete faith, not half a faith. And we may ask, what is the basis of our faith? To those who say to Jesus, why should we believe in you? Jesus gives no answer in this verse other than the implication that he is equal with God. But further down, Jesus said, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. Or else believe me because of the very works that I do. The miracles that Jesus brought prove that he is God's son and is worthy of our faith and of our trust. And we may ask, what is the results of our faith? The result of believing in Jesus is peace. Our hearts are no longer troubled and anxious. We may have sorrows. We may have uncertainties in life. But we have the compassion and power of Jesus to help us through. And knowing this gives us peace and gives us hope and gives us strength, doesn't it? On another occasion, Jesus said, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Yes, we all have a place in heaven. Christ's pro Christ promise of peace reaches far beyond this life and into eternity. He assures us that he left this earth and went to his Father's house in heaven to prepare a place for you and for me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. This wondrous promise gives meaning to our lives. Instead of viewing this life as a few decades in which to accomplish something and then die forever, we understand that this life is a short, though difficult journey to an eternal home where we can accomplish everything good and satisfying and die never. As Jesus said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish 
but have everlasting life. To know that there is a place for us in God's own eternal home, well, what more do we need to feel fulfilled and at peace? We have a promise of Christ's return, don't we? To believe in this promise of a place in our Father's house, it helps us for us to know how we are going to get there safely. Jesus assures us that he himself will personally return, gather us up to him, and escort us to our new home. Since I go prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus says that nobody can come to the Father except through him. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Unless we are in that blessed gathering that Jesus himself escorts to heaven on that last day, we have no other way of getting there, and we will never see our Father's house. How do we become one of those who are assured of this escort to heaven? Jesus himself tells us what is required as follows, and it's the six steps to grace. The word of Paul in Romans on what people should do to receive grace is as follows. Hearing Christ's word and believing God's word. Believing, having faith that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that he died for each one of us for our salvation. Repentance for our sin. Ask God to forgive us each day if need be. Confessing Christ to the world. Telling people what Christ has done in your life as a personal testimony if necessary. Being baptized into Christ's death. And lastly, an ongoing commitment. And I just like to close by reading from Romans 12, the first two verses, and it says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Thank you. This is a time of year when friends and family come together. A time of year when it's chilly outside, but family warmth is on the inside. Maybe you're curled up on your couch with your warm fuzzy blanket Enjoying your favorite hot beverage in front of a crackling fireplace. 
This is a season of family gatherings. You know what I'm talking about. Dinner table decked out with food to kill. Everyone could eat until they they're, are stuffed as a stuffed turkey on the table. Everyone is talking, laughing, having a good old time. Then the word is given. Everyone is hushed. All is quiet. So quiet that you can hear a pin drop. Someone is chosen to offer prayer. Heads are bowed. And a prayer of thanksgiving is offered to our Heavenly Father for seeing us through another year, for the bountiful food, for friends and family. As soon as the prayer is done, the talking and laughing starts back up again. Have you thought about it? What are you thankful for, for this year? For others, this is a painful time of the year. And no, I'm not talking about the overexpenditure that people do this time of year in which it'll take them six to eight months to pay for what they have charged to their cards. I'm talking about holes in one's life. The brokenness, the sadness. I'm talking about Sheryl Sandberg. Even though this story happened in 2015, it is still relevant for today. Cheryl and her husband, Dave, went on vacation in Mexico. She said to her husband, I'm falling asleep. She went to sleep as her husband went to the fitness center. Dave's heart gave out. She went on vacation, a happily married wife, and returned home to the two children, a widow. Another story. On March 8, 2017, Michelle Anna writes, Today marks two months that my husband Curtis passed away. Typing those words still feel very surreal, but the reality of his absence makes it all very real. Reality has, has had a painful way of reminding me that I can no longer text or call Curtis and receive a response. I can no longer feel the embrace of his tight, long hugs and kisses on my forehead. All these things have gone through my mind several times in the last two months. And still, even in being in such a dark place, God has met me there. The next story is very recent. On the 714th of this year, I pulled this from the CTV News website. Best friends, soulmates, fiancés, and boyfriends. That's how friends and family are remembering some of the four Ontario utility workers who were killed in a helicopter crash in eastern Ontario. In this time of year, when family are getting together, there are people out there who are in pain. The family get-togethers are missing a family member. Maybe your father is missing from the scene. How about your mother? You go to a family gathering and your mother and father is not there. How would you feel? You see, I'm not talking about if your parents die of old age. Under normal circumstances, usually when that happens, you usually have one foot in the grave yourself also. No, I'm talking about if one of them died by an accident. What if your brother is no longer around? 
How about your sister? How would you feel? They say time heals all wounds. Personally, I have to disagree with that statement. Right now, I want to focus on emotional wounds. These are my own personal thoughts here. But in this life, wounds will never heal. They may taper down, but they'll still be there. When Jesus comes, do you think your wounds will be healed then? No. How about a thousand years in heaven? I doubt it. The last two statements can never heal one's emotional wounds. How can it? When you have loved ones who are not in God's kingdom. Will your wounds be healed at the lake of fire? I can virtually guarantee not at that point in time. I do believe, though, a flood of tears will be flowing from the redeemed while they witness as family and friends are being consumed in the lake of fire. So when will this healing take place? I believe after the destruction of the wicked. In Revelation chapter 21, verse 4, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And in Isaiah chapter 65, verse 17, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered nor come into mind. It is at this time that we will finally be healed, for we will not remember family and friends that were lost. But until then, let's always remember those who are suffering and in pain from the loss of a family or a friend. As far as I know, three members of our church family has lost family members this year. Let us be thankful that we have a Heavenly Father that can help us through these difficult times. We need to pray one for another. Flowers bend in the breeze Mountains shining above Friends are looking at you And eyes are laughing with love Taking a further day And sweet rest when it's through All these gifts are to show The Father loves you Sunshine after rain, the Father's making it plain that He's a giver of every good and perfect gift to you. So why not trust Him and find the very best gift for your sake? Life abundant is yours If Jesus you only take You'll find forgiveness from sin 
He's got a job you can do. Isn't it wonderful? The Father loves you. Good morning, sisters and brothers. May the peace of Jesus rest in each and every one of you today. A week ago today, I woke up completely deaf. I syringed my ear, and I can hear a little bit from this one and this one, nothing. So I'm waiting to see the specialist next week. It's not wax, I can assure you. <laughs> There's something else going on in there, and I ask each and every one of you, to pray for me that the Lord will restore my hearing because I do need it. Let us have this prayer. Almighty God, Father in heaven, it is so good to be in your holy sanctuary today, Father. O oh Lord, as I present this short sermon, I ask you to help me to take a step behind your cross while your name is being uplifted and glorified by everyone here. I pray this in the holy, precious name of Jesus. Amen, Lord, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, my Lord, amen, and amen, and amen. You find me tearful at times, and I am just a fool for, an old fool for Jesus. That's why I sit at the back of the sanctuary. My sermon is entitled, Peace. Why? I'm not sure why I choose it. It just came to my mind. And I decided to write a short sermon in it. Peace. What is the meaning of peace? It's a normal, non-warring condition of a nation, even with a group of nations of the world, an agreement or treaty between one or more nations or group of nations or people. We hear of peace, peace officers, peacekeepers, peacemakers. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. Peace treaties all the time, which are not lasting. The whole world is in turmoil due to lack of peace. Men's hearts failing them from fear because there's a lack of peace. Peace seems to have fled from our lives. Like the turbulent ocean of the full moon are men's lives at this time. Not that it was, it was much different in the past. Let us see what Psalm 13 says. Here is a, a man who was after after all, chosen to be king of, of Israel. He had a very close connection with God. But in the moment of weakness, he committed a sin. And to cover up that sin, he co committed a more heinous one. He had no peace. And so he was talking to my Lord. He said, 
How long, O oh my Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I rest with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Here's a man who had no peace. He forgot, I guess, his relationship to God. And he's asking him, how long? But he has some, he remembered that he has had a connection with God. And he said, look at me and answer, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. My enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. Now there is great hope and peace coming to his mind. When he said, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to my Lord for you have been good to me. There is a greed for power, a greed for great riches, and many times more than we need or would use. There is no peace until one's desire is fulfilled, and even when we have what we want, we still are not at peace because we are afraid of losing our power, and we are also afraid of losing all the riches we have. Because of a lack of peace, many wars have been fought, causing untold misery to our fellow men, and countless lives have been lost in the name of peace. But there is someone who could offer you peace, a precious peace at no cost to you, except you abide in him and have faith and belief in him. That person is my Lord, our Lord, your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For he is our peace. He is indeed the Prince of Prince of Peace. Man, as you know, cannot give lasting peace. Peace can only come from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is the only one who could cancel our sins and create a forever existing peace treaty with God and mankind. John 16.33 said, I have told you all this, that in, in me you might have that in me you might have peace. In the world you should have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. When you trust in him, you will have peace. There's no one else who could give you that peace like our Lord and Savior. How well do you know this peace? How much of this peace do you have you experienced? Jesus said, come on to me all you who labor and heavy laden and I'll give you rest. Here is peace he's offering you. You have rest, you have peace. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I'm meek and lonely in heart, and you'll find rest unto your soul. Here's another promise of peace. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. My Lord, our Lord, is near to all who call upon him. Not only call upon him, but believe and trust in his redeeming love. Then you will experience peace and precious peace, a precious, beautiful peace. Paul said, if I give all I possess to the poor 
and commit my body to flame but have not love, I will gain nothing. When you have love, you have peace because you live in peace with your fellow men. Here's a formula for peace. Take yourself and your sins to the foot of the cross and confess them earnestly. Let the flood from his broken body wash over you and your sins. Then peace, a great peace, a wonderful peace will flow through your entire body. A peace that the outside world will not know unless they come broken, contrite in heart and spirit to the foot of the cross. This is a faith that we need in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. A faith that does not come overnight but grows slowly and much stronger as we learn to trust in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I'm the root and you are the vine. If you do not abide with me, you'll die. You cannot bear much fruit, but if you abide with me, you will bear much fruit. When Christ is king in our heart, when he is sovereign in men's heart, then our arguments turn to peace, love takes the place of hatred, and understanding to misunderstanding, for misunderstanding. Why is there no peace? Why? Because there's a lack of love, a lacking of love towards one another. For our fellow men and a lack of knowledge of the great love of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I'm leaving with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give is not like the world gives. So let not your hearts be troubled or afraid. Why are we hoarders? Why not share with others and bring joy and peace to their lives? I usually tell my patients, hold out your hands and I fill their hands with little objects from my office, desk. And as they fall onto the floor, I ask them, why? They said, because my hands are full. So when God um, blesses you and he fills your hand, he wants you to share with others. And when you share with others, and you can fill your hands again. You will have peace, they will have peace. Let others see the Prince of Peace working in you. Give diligent thought to your everyday relationship with Jesus and your fellow men who are made in the image of God. Then and only then will we be able to experience that peace which is so lacking all over the world. Go to sleep with a clear conscience knowing that you truly hate no one except the wrong things that they do. How about ourselves? How about myself? Are we capable of not sinning or doing wrong things? I think not, for we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Jesus said, I will keep him, I will keep you in perfect peace, he whose mind is stayed upon me, because he trusted in me. Learn to live peaceably with all men, Remember the way to heaven is consecrated by the bold footprints of Jesus Christ. Do you want to walk in them? Then have peace and joy in your life. Permanent or perpetual peace 
will exist only with the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, at his next coming. Amen. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord. Thank you for allowing me to present this short sermon. I do hope that it has stirred someone's heart today and that we will all leave here with great joy in our heart, knowing that we have a chance to offer peace to our fellow men out there. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, Lord. Amen. Far away in the depth of my spirit tonight Rolls a melody sweeter than pop song In celestial I strain it unceasingly falls O'er my soul like an infinite calm Peace, peace, wonderful peace Coming from the Father above Sweep over my spirit forever Fathomless pillows of love What a treasure I have been This wonderful peace Buried deep in my mental soul So secure that no power can mine it away while the years of eternity roll peace peace wonderful peace coming down from the Father above sweet Spirit, forever I pray in fathomless pillows of love. I believe when I rise to that city of peace, where this author of peace I shall see that one strain of the song with the ransom will sing in that heavenly kingdom will be peace peace wonderful peace Coming down from the Father above Sweep over my spirit forever
Sabbath to everyone. I thank my uh, brothers for their words this morning, which I hope we have all taken on board. We've heard about the magnificent promise of Christ to make a place for each and every one of us in the heavenly kingdom. We've heard about the healing that God will provide in his kingdom. And we've heard about the peace that is Christ, and Christ alone can bring. These are all gifts that God has provided to us. And I just want to speak about another gift that the Lord has provided. As was mentioned uh, earlier, at this time of year, as we celebrate the birth of the Christ child and look forward to the coming of the new year, we want deeply to share these special days with those who are closest to us. We long to spend these times with family. This speaks to us of the importance of family because family is a gift from God. And family came about right at the time of creation. As Genesis 2.24 says, after Eve was made flesh, therefore, a man leaves his father and his mother and cleaves to his wife, and they become one flesh. Husband and wife, the start of family. And Genesis 1.28 adds, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. This points to children, the next part of family. God instituted the family to provide each and every one of us, his children, with a warmth and care that all humans require. In the family, personal worth and dignity of each individual is, or should be, affirmed in an, in an environment of respect and love. Alas, as we know, the promise of family given by God is not always the reality. Sin has distorted God's ideals for the family, 
much as sin has undermined many of God's promises on this earth. In fact, in this fallen world, it sometimes seems that those whom we should love most, our families, often become the ones with whom we fight the most. But this is nothing new. Right from the fall, we see numerous biblical examples of the perversion of God's hope for the family. After God asked Adam if he had eaten from the tree that he had forbidden him to eat, what was Adam's reply? The woman made me do it. So this must have been the first spousal blame game in history. But there are also numerous examples of conflict among siblings. Look at Cain and Abel, for example. Look at Jacob and Esau. And what about Joseph and his brothers? We know the stories well. There is also examples of enmity between parents and children. Jonathan was almost murdered by his father. David lamented the open rebellion of his son Absalom. So what can we do to at least approach again what God intends for family? The Bible contains many texts of guidance, instruction, and advice for parents, for mothers and fathers, for children, starting with the fifth commandment the first commandment with promise. We can and should follow such inspired advice and guidance, but let us not dwell solely on the specifics, the specific pieces of advice. Let us return to some of the basics that Christ has provided to us. As John 13:34 notes, quoting Jesus, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Love is the answer. Love is the answer in all relationships, including family relationships. And remember, too, other things that the Bible teaches us quite clearly. Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4 says, Do nothing from selfishness and conceit, but in humility count others better than ourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. This is solid advice for family relationships and indeed for all relationships. We need to follow Christ's example, Christ's teachings, and relate to one another with love, however difficult it may be. Sometimes it's really difficult. Sometimes there are sorrows. Sometimes there are tears. But remember that sometimes there are also joys. When my son was a teenager, he engaged in activity which at the best could be described as very antisocial. And I would sit down with him time and time again and talk to him about his uh, behavior. And I still remember years later the look on his face, the way he looked at me. I am listening to you because I have to listen to you, but I don't care what you're saying to me. And I got the impression every time I spoke to him that what I was saying was going in one ear and out the other ear. I despaired. But when he became 20 or 21, he came to me one day and he said, Dad, you know what you told me about this behavior? You were absolutely right. So never give up on family. Always treasure family. Always strive to build up the love that you have for family. In this way, you honor God's 
ideal. And I wish each and every one of you a blessed and happy new year. Thank you.